0: More from Cincinnati's blowout loss to Houston on Sunday night, plus the other side to my belief that Cincinnati is turning into a football town. Maybe it hasn't yet. That and more coming up on Locked On Bearcats. You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Today, Bet Online, as you covered, I already mentioned today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, which Bet Online, as you covered. This season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. Alex Frank here bringing you today's episode of Locked On Bearcats Programming Note. Friday show is going to be fun. The host of Locked On LSU, the new host of Locked On LSU, Caroline Fenton's going to join me because her alma mater's got two very important players playing for the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl on Sunday. So, she will be on Lockdown Bearcats on Friday's show. Until then, plenty more to get to this week. So, this morning, or not this morning, yesterday morning, I was struck by two comments that um, an account, a Bearcats fan account on Instagram, Bearcats Prime. I got a lot of respect for Bearcats Prime, Bearcats Insider, Bearcats Coverage, Bearcats Sports Radio, but particularly Bearcats Prime and Bearcats Insider. Um. They do a tremendous job of giving their opinions. They're very active on social media. They are positive about the teams, but they're they also not afraid to be critical. So I was struck by two comments that I saw Monday morning about the game on Sunday. And if, if, if this was just any other game, I probably would have moved on from it. But this is a significant game to talk about because it's Houston- they are the measuring stick in the conference, and this is the third straight time Cincinnati has, bl- has been blown out by Houston by 20 or more points. So here are two parts of, of this, guys, of Bearcats Prime and their Instagram story yesterday, and uh, I give them credit. Thank you to them for allowing me to use these comments on today's episode, and you'll see their um the, the name in what I'm about to show you. So this first, if you can see it, um, In the middle of the screen, font's a little small. I apologize in advance. So here's that comment. Kind of just ignored that there was a basketball game last night because talking about it just reminds me how far away we are from competing with high-level teams, specifically Houston. We have some pieces, but simply just don't play with the intensity that Houston plays with. Don't have the physicality at any position that Houston has. Trying not um, to get flustered about it. Just got to keep playing through and finish out the season strong. But then there was another comment um, that, that struck me. Beyond unfair, in my opinion, to blame any of this on Wes Miller, assembled a roster in literally a few weeks and still putting out a borderline bubble team on the floor every game. You have to give him a few seasons to build back up to where this program belongs. Give Wes some time, please. Blame everything on John Brandon. That's where it got me. So last year, the Bearcats played Houston in Houston. And this was three weeks, I believe. So three weeks, yeah, three weeks before the conference tournament. And the Bearcats weren't very good last year in a truncated season. They were 7-7 seven and seven at the time. It was not a good season. So they go to Houston and, and they get their doors blown off. And I'm sitting and I'm watching that game and I'm reading stuff on Twitter after the game. I'm mulling it over the day after. And there was a jarring, there was something jarring that stood out to me. And I'm not trying to go back to and talk about the Brandon days, but th- there is some validity to what Bearcats Prime is saying. John Brandon, what he tried to do for the program and what he ultimately did or did not do, there, that is still reverberating right now. Pardon me as I put my Twitter handle back up. So the one thing, the jarring um, lack that Brandon's teams did not have was an identity. Like they were just out there just going through the motions, and here Houston was executing, They were more athletic, they were more physical, they were just a better overall team, and it wasn't even close, and that was somewhat the case Sunday night. I thought Sunday night was a lot better than the two games last year, at least the game was competitive in the second half, but you read what Bearcats Prime said, what I just showed you. I listened to the post-game show last night um, on 700 WLW with Dan Horton, Terry Nelson, and Wes Miller. When he talked, I listened to Mo Egger and Tony Pike on uh, yesterday on Cincy 360. Mo Egger thinks Houston can win the national championship. And I'm, I'm not going to put it past them. And every team in this conference is dealing with Houston. Now, last year, Memphis lost to them by two in the semifinals. Cincinnati lost to them by 37 in the championship game. I mean, they simply did not belong in that championship game but it's just it, it really just i go back to and i had people telling me and i listened to people said say this last year about John Brandon that you know that he wasn't going to be fired he was only in year 2 it was going to take time but i'm sitting there watching that game and i'm like what's this team's identity Mick Cronin, who many fans wanted to nitpick, I was one of those nitpickers. But at the same time, I grew an appreciation for him in his final season. Because for as many things as those Bearcats teams did not do or have, offense, shooting, whatever, you know what they did have? An identity. That they were going to be competitive. The last time prior to last year's first matchup with Houston, the Bearcats lost by that many points was in March of 2011. Let that sink in for a minute. So what Bearcats Prime is saying is, is that Wes Miller's team right now is partially a result. I'm not going to say completely. I think he's putting a lot of stock into the John, into the John Brandon ruin this program. I don't want to say that. Because if he did, the Bearcats would be under 500 right now, I I feel like. And that was a legitimate concern of mine going into the season, that how was this program going to bounce back after the disaster of last year and the tumultuous offseason that was in the early spring when it overshadowed you watching the NCAA tournament for the first time in 11 years as a casual fan, if you're a Bearcats fan like myself. So, I don't, th- I don't think John Brandon ruined the program, but Bearcats Prime is claiming that Wes Miller, the team he has, is a result of John Brandon just taking a program and running it into the ground. And there is some validity to that. Mick Cronin's teams would never have lost to Houston by 38. They never got blown out. Never. And you know how I know that? Because they played Kentucky pretty dang close in 2015. That game in the second round of the NCAA tournament. They gave Kentucky all they could handle. That was a physical game. They were competitive because they always brought defense. They played that matchup zone that was so good. There was a game, um, Ohio State, the first game of 2018-19. Mick Cronin walks into his post-game press conference. I'll never forget this. In Cincinnati, he only scored 56 points. You know what McCorn started out that press conference with? He says, well, I'm going to tell you as a math whiz, um, they scored 27 points in the first half. We gave up 37 in the second half. If we had held them to 27, we would have won by two. And everybody's like, what? You're talking about defense when your offense couldn't shoot for a lick that night? He was right. They held Xavier to 43 points. They held SMU to 49 points. They held a Memphis team that was lethal offensively at times that year, to sixty four on their home floor and sixty nine the second time around. Hell, they held Houston to fifty seven points a week after giving up eighty five. That's coaching. And I'm not I'm I'm not saying that Wes Miller can't coach. He can coach. I mean, I, I'm reading comments in the Athletic from Justin Williams's um, account of the game from Sunday, and you know. Fans are uh, there was one comment that said Wes Miller, you know, coached a hell of a game, coached his ass off. And I think the Bearcats are going to get better, but it's just, it's glaring to me. But thinking back to that comment I saw from Bearcats Prime this morning, and I'm just thinking about last year, what I didn't see was an identity. When they faced the big bully in the conference, they had no answer. They had no answer. It felt like they were just going through the motions. Like they were playing in an open gym. And Houston was more prepared, more physical, more lethal, more athletic, more everything. Outclassed Cincinnati. That didn't happen when Mick Cronin was here. Wes Miller is trying to restore the roots of this program. And I'll get to why that's so important next. Here on Lockdown Bearcats, but first... I got to tell you about betonline.net because it has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks, betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football because betonline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live Real time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. It's Super Week brought to you by Get Upside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in LA as well, all week covering. The big game. Alex Frank here with you. How great was Super Bowl opening night last night? Um, unfortunately, didn't get to go. I was hoping to. Those tickets sold out like... I mean, they sold rapidly. 30,000 fans were there. Um, I, w- I heard there were no empty seats in the lower bowl, lower bowl of Paul Brown Stadium. Um The players came out. You had legends there. Tim Crumwright was there. David Fulcher was there. Uh, Max Montoya, Ken Anderson, Willie Anderson, Bengal Jim hosted it. Gary Owen hosted it, local comedian. Um, Joe Burrow talked. uh, CJ Uzama ripped the brace off his left knee, sprained MCL, and threw it behind him, indicating that he's going to play in the Super Bowl, which he said he's not going to miss the biggest game of his career. So more on that. Uh, Later on this week, hopefully we'll hear from James and Jake. James Rapine and Jake Lisko from Lockdown Bengals. They're out in L.A. Uh, We'll get an LSU perspective from Caroline Fenton from Lockdown LSU on Friday. Um, But back to Cincinnati. So, you know, one thing I mentioned on yesterday's show was Houston's not going anywhere. Because they're going to the Big 12. And they have what the Bearcats used to be. You know, Houston... It is basically copying Cincinnati and how the Bearcats got to be really good, except they're succeeding more once they've gotten there. I mean, Houston was 13 and 19 in their first season with Kelvin Sampson as head coach. Now they're 20 and 2. They've built the program the way they've wanted it. Cincinnati was that. So. Cincinnati needs to adopt what Houston has and match it. Because when you go to the Big 12, that's what it's going to be. I've watched some Big 12 games over the years, a lot of them. And it is very physical. There is physicality. You know, I watched Yudoka as a Um torch teams inside for Kansas. I watched Baylor's um, front court last year dominate. I saw Kansas with Perry Ellis rule the Big 12 every year he was there. And I've seen um, Texas Tech with Lawrence um, Odiasse and Tariq Owens in 2019 get to the national championship game. That's what you're going to get. Mo Bamba was a force when he was with Texas in the Big 12. I mean, I could go on. George Niang at Iowa State. You're going to need some physicality. You're going to need some big men. You're going to need your guards. You can't just live or die by the three. If there's one thing I don't like about this Bearcats team, which there's a lot of things I don't like, it's they live and die by the three. For a team that has put up 60 or fewer points in their last three games, coming off of a game where they put up 90 on Tulsa, which they could maybe do again Saturday at Tulsa, for a team that doesn't score a lot of points, they can't live and die by the three. They're not North Carolina. They're not any other great shooting team. They're not Gonzaga. They need to be a team that tries to get to the rim. The problem is their guards just simply don't want to, you know, drive. They don't want to get hit. They don't want to get, you know, brushed. They don't want any part of physicality. Well, you didn't see that with Jacob Evans. You didn't see that with Jaron Cumberland by any means. Jaron Cumberland would be bruised after games. I mean, I remember the Wichita State game. His senior year, the the game in Cincinnati, a really close game. Jaron Cumberland hurled himself into traffic in the lane. At least 10 times, it felt like. He scored 24 points in that game. I believe two-thirds of those points came from the free-throw line. I can go back and look at those stats, but I'm that's my recollection or recollection from that game. Sheesh. This team doesn't have that. Jeremiah Davenport's really good. All he does is shoot threes. That's his game. And the thing is, is like he is athletic, but you only see that in the open court when he's coasting to the rim. I need to see him drive to the rim. David DeJulius would like to see more of that. You know, he's a he's a good shooter. He can drive, but I need I need to see finish in traffic. Mason Madsen, you know, he's a shooter. That's what he is. He doesn't drive very much. This team does not have the um the luxury of being able to live and die by the three. They need to get high percentage shots, but they're not willing to do the dirty work to do so. You look at Houston yesterday. How efficiently they ran their offense. Or I'm sorry, you look at Houston on Sunday. They were so efficient with their offense. And the shots they got. Screening. Setting screens. Driving to the rim. Finishing in traffic. Here's a striking comment. And, and this fits right along with what I'm talking to. You read Justin Williams' recollection, account from the game. By the way, um, I, I've mentioned Justin a lot. If you want to follow, if you want to follow the Bearcats, and you want great storytelling, Justin Williams is your guy. He is an excellent reporter. He, he's got to ha- he's got to have all the sources in the world with the information that he gives you. So, okay, where's that comment? Here we go. UC needs to be stronger overall. Teams in the past have put those jerseys on and scared and scarred opponents. Great comment. Scared and scarred. That's what the Bearcats have been. That's what Houston's done to Cincinnati the last three times. They've played. Hard fouls, rebounding, and great defending are traits found in really good teams. West and the trainers haven't had much time. I appreciate guys who can shoot, but I really long for intimidating big guys that can also score some and give other options. When shots aren't falling. Great. That's that's exactly what this team is. That is exactly what this team is. Look at Houston yesterday. They fouled frequently. You know what? It added up. Cincinnati couldn't handle their physicality. Go back to Bearcats Prime's comment. Houston was way more physical. When this team joins the Big 12, they are going to get a heavy dose of that on a nightly basis. Conference play in the Big 12 is a grind. It is an absolute grind. Look at Baylor on Saturday. They were the number 8 team in the country. They go into Kansas, and they get run out of the gym. The game was over by halftime. If Baylor's taking those L's, and that's Baylor, the reigning national champions, that has had some success against Kansas recently. Cincinnati right now. I mean... It's just, you go back a few years ago, when this program was still really good. When this program was top 25, they were revered for how hard they played. For their toughness, their grittiness, and their competitiveness, and you can never count them out, and they were always going to be a tough out for any team, like like they were for UCLA, like they were for Kentucky, like they were for Ohio State in 2012, like they were for UConn in 2011. That's they don't have that right now. They don't. And that's why I'm glad the coaching change happened when it did. Again, people kept telling me, John Brennan needs time. You know, can't fire a coach after two years. Yes, you can. Because this program was better than what they showed last year. And at the mass exodus of players who entered the transfer portal, I know two of them came back. But if that didn't tell you that there was a culture issue within the program. I don't know what was going to. I called for John Brennan's job after that first Houston game. Because where is this team going from there? Cincinnati does not get blown out by 38. You knew something was wrong. In Mick Cronin's final season, Houston was a top 10 team. Cincinnati played them when they were number 12 the first time around. The game was tied with six minutes to go. And then they beat them by 12 in the conference tournament when Houston was number, I believe, 12 again. And they were 12. Last year's team couldn't do that. And this year's team, yes, you got two players back from the transfer portal. You got some transfers to come from UNC Greensboro. And other places, Central Arkansas, I'm sorry, mainly UNC Greensboro. Mississippi State with abdul Adu. You get Victor Lak this year, who came over from Russia last year, didn't play. This team is this team is still not assembled. This roster is, yes, constructive because of what happened last year. You lose guys like Tari Eason, you lose Mamadou Diara. You lose players that if what happened last year hadn't happened, maybe would be here this year. The good news is the Bearcats quickly realized John Brandon was not the guy. They bring in Wes Miller, who I think is, it's going to take some time, but at least you know, okay, the Bearcats are competitive. They're 15-7, and should be better, honestly. But they just need some physicality that so many McCronin teams had. And last year's teams did not. And as a result, they are not only rebuilding, but they're also bringing back the identity. And that can take some time. And it might be frustrating. It is for me, believe me. My first two years, I'm like, my first two years to Cincinnati, I can get used to this. Going to the NCAA tournament every year. It became expected. May not be so much right now. Um, The Bearcats are at USF. Tomorrow, preview of that game tomorrow at Tulsa on Saturday. Two crucial games. Next week, they got three home games. Three games in the span of six days. That's not going to be easy. Can the Bearcats bounce back from Sunday? Yes. But it's going to require a major improvement in physicality and interior play and rebounding and all the above. More next here on Lockdown Bearcats, as this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need, so why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I've never been asked that. And while I don't have an Odyssey either... Uh, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we send you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown On Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you. So I, I was at—I was having a conversation um, Sunday at, at dinner at Chipotle because that's where all conversations happen that are productive, apparently. So I'm having this conversation with a friend of mine Sunday night, and I—I I, I ask him this because I've said this many times on the show, and I wanted his opinion. Um, he's he's from Cincinnati. He this um, is a Reds fan. Fortunately, also a Steelers fan. So I asked him. I said, "Do you think this city is now officially a football town with the Bengals in the Super Bowl and the Bearcats having made the College Football Playoff?" And he said that you know if this if if these teams can sustain their success, then it will be. And that got me thinking because. Should teams have to sustain success in order for it to be that way? But I, I do see his point. So, when I worked at 700 WLW, um, and I and I had known, I knew going in what that station was about. I knew they were the home of the Reds. I listened to Marty Brenneman growing up like most of you did. But working there, it really opened my eyes to, you know how much the reds are a part of the fabric of that station 700 WLW if you want some history turns 100 this year um so it's been around since 1922 they have been the home of the reds since 1969 so even before the big red machine so the hallmark radio station it's not just the reds so 700 is the hallmark radio station of this city. Maybe even the tri-state. Hell, 700 a night can stretch all the way into the Rocky Mountains. 700 WLW one time had more wattage than BBC did. That's fact. They are a 50,000 watt station. They used to be 500,000, but then the FCC came in and said, hmm, eh, limit your powers a little bit. So you have this hallmark radio station. And you have longtime listeners who could be described as traditionalists. And because they've been listening for so long, they probably listened to Marty Bryanman growing up. And because the city became so attached to those Reds teams in the 70s, the 1990 team. And you listen to Reds games growing up, in addition to guys like Bill Cunningham, in addition to Jim Scott, in addition to Gary Burbank. In addition to Mike McConnell, Mike hasn't been around, uh, Mike hasn't been at 700 as long as the other guys I just mentioned. But still, you get my point here. There is um, Bob Trumpy back in the day. So baseball being a metaphor for life that it is, and how much coverage that is aired on 700, the identity... Through the Hallmark radio station that is 700 through the city became baseball, and let me tell you, when I worked there, and I I saw how much coverage was devoted to the Reds. The Reds were talked about on every show, and some days you'd have six hours devoted to Reds coverage. If the Reds had a standard seven ten game, you'd have the inside pitch with Lance McAllister at six, you'd have the game, which would go to 10 o'clock, and then Lance was back for extra innings. That's 6 to midnight right there. Six hours. If they had a day game, you'd have the inside pitch at 11.30 or 12.30, whatever it would be. You'd have the game, Lance would have sports talk 6 to 9. So that's half the day right there. And then Sundays, you'd have pre uh, inside pitch at noon with whomever it was. Ken Brew or Chick Ludwig or somebody, Sterling. Game, extra innings, which on Sundays is their their longer show, three hours. That's like eight hours. Now you know why this city is baseball town. You have all your listeners for 700, and they're listening to the Reds. And now you know why it's a baseball town, because the Reds play 162 games a year. And especially when the Reds, this past year working there, the Reds were good through the first five months of the season, yeah, you had... I mean, they were talked about f- so much. Bill Cunningham talked about them, Scott Sloan, Eddie and Rocky. So much of 700's coverage was devoted to the Reds. Again, hallmark radio station of this city, and your traditionalist... And some listeners who have been listening for a long time could be considered traditionalists and purists. And because most of 700's coverage for 6 months of the year is devoted to the reds that yes it could be considered a baseball town hell even in the off season which the baseball off season comes and goes faster than a bullet train in japan i mean And not only that, they're airing Hot Stove League shows, 700 is, throughout the summer. Or, I'm sorry, throughout the winter. And next thing you know, you're back to spring training. The chunk of time that the Reds takes up on 700 is astronomical. So in that regard, yes, maybe this city is still a baseball town. But I am telling you something. I've been listening to local sports talk a lot recently. I, which I always do when I'm not recording this or listening to the Lockdown Podcast Network. And throughout this Bengals postseason run, it, it, it's it been nonstop Bengals. I listened to Scott Sloan last week, the week after the Bengals won the AFC Championship. Every segment was on the Bengals. The game, you know, something related to entertainment because at the end of the day, the radio business is an entertainment business. Lesson I've learned from Dave udy so I'm thinking about it from you know I'm hearing all this Bengals talk now because normally at this time, like I said earlier on a show this this month, normally at this time you're looking forward to spring training. You're not doing that now, a with the lockout, and b because there's a certain team from this city in the Super Bowl, the Bengals. So when the Bearcats go to the Big Twelve, I asked this question to my former boss at Seven Hundred or at iHeart. I asked my question. I asked this question to him, and I said, you know. Because there's a certain, um, um, the Reds and Xavier and the Bengals use a program, excuse me, called Skyview to run their games. And I asked my boss, I'm like, "But the Bearcats do that now that they're going to the big 12? And he said, they're not going to do that, but they would use 1530 as their backup station if they couldn't air the games on 700, if the Reds happen again, the way or the Bengals in the early fall. So my hope is that when the Bearcats go to the Big 12, that they become a more major talking point on local sports talk radio. Now, that's why we have this podcast. It's your daily Bearcats podcast. You've only got 35 minutes, though. So, like, you know, Kentucky's got... Kentucky has a 90-minute pregame call-in show. That's how big Kentucky basketball is, and that's just 100 miles down the road. When the Bearcats join the Big 12, and if they can sustain the success that they had this year, that's why it's so important for them to do so. You know, Luke, For Luke Fickle to maintain the top 10 program status that he wants this program to be, if he is able to do that, then the Bearcats are going to become more of a talking point on 700. They're going to be more of a talking point on 1530. It, it's not just this podcast or when you listen to the games on whatever station it's on. They're going to the Big 12. That's a big deal. People are going to start to care. I understand this business in radio, excuse me, is also about playing the hits. And people are going to, you know, create more conversation, unfortunately, about the Reds and the Bengals. But the Bearcats should too. They just made the college football playoff as a group of five team. Now they're going to the Big 12. And from a basketball perspective, I mean, you could be talking college basketball well into the, you know, the month of March and maybe early April eventually. Like the Bearcats should give more coverage, especially moving to the Big 12. That's what this podcast, that's why I wanted this podcast to be created. So I could talk about it for you could you could listen about it and for others to create more conversation. If the Bearcats are able to sustain their success, this city will still be a football town. I get seven hundred, the hallmark radio station of this city, and because of its association with the Reds, and because of how many and because how long some listeners have been listening to seven hundred with the Reds, that yes, there is still some traditionalism and some purism, and some purity, I should say, with this within the city being a baseball town. I understand that, but I don't think you have to sustain success at this period of time, to say that this city is a football town. You watched the opening night pep rally last night for the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Tell me this city is a baseball town and not a football town. I don't think you can. Football generates the most conversation of any sport. It is America's most popular sport. Almost 50 million people watched the AFC Championship game two weeks ago. The college football playoff draws good ratings every year. It's on New Year's Eve. Why? Because they know people are going to watch it. I don't think they have to sustain success in order for this city to be a football town. You capture the hearts of a community and a university and a city. And you don't disappoint them. And you offer hope for the future. That's why this city is a football town. Maybe it touched the surface of that 16 years ago with the Bengals in 05 and the Bearcats with Tony Pike in 08 and 09. That would have been 12, uh, 13, 14 years ago. I think this time it's going to break through. I do believe there will be sustained success because Luke Fickle's the right man for the Bearcats head coaching job and then Zach Taylor's the right man for the head coaching job in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's going to be here for a long time. Jamar Chase... The Bearcats are going to keep recruiting. They're going to get you know, better resources, more exposure, as they move to the Power 5 Conference. That's what you want to see. That's going to do it for me here today on Locked on Bearcats. Bearcats at USF tomorrow previewing that game Um, on tomorrow's show. Don't forget, Friday, Locked on LSU host Caroline Fenton will join me to discuss Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase from an LSU perspective as well as Cincinnati, since we are a Locked On Cincinnati Bearcats podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can also follow me on Instagram, Alex Frank 9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Back tomorrow, Bearcats at USF Preview. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. The weather's a little nicer this week. A little warmer, too. Just wish the snow and ice would melt. Um, Stay safe out there. Stay positive, test negative. And until I talk to you all tomorrow, for Locked on Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day.